horses are sort of like just really big cats. Paper Shotgun Electronic Wireless Show episode 87. It is uh, the 11th of July. I'm Brendan Caldwell and I am joined this week uh, by Alice Bale. Hello. Who is back. And badder than ever. <laughs> and also by Sin Vega. Hello. Hello. New person. Yes, yes, very, very new. Terrifyingly new. Um, You are a new staff writer, and you started work officially last week? Last Monday. This is, uh, yeah, day nine of the infiltration, uh, uh, employment <laughs> at RPS. <laughs> uh, cool. So our listeners who maybe don't read the site because they're bad listeners... <laughs> Why would you not read? The, why, who listens to this podcast I, and doesn't? There must be one person who will pop up in the comments and say, well, actually, uh, that's the only reason I'm here. Yeah, True. I imagine there are a few, but they might not recognize you. This is, yeah, that's fair. Um, but you've been doing writing for us for a good while, including a column called Unknown Pleasures, mm-hmm. where you round up games that people might have missed on Steam. Mm-hmm. But tell us more. We need to know about you. We need to know the games no. you like. We need to oh, know gosh. all of it. No, it's funny because, uh, yeah, I've been doing Unknown Pleasures for about 18 months. I think it was Alex Colin before that. Uh, and before that, I was doing occasional freelance pitches. Of, uh, just whatever retro games, generally retro games, that uh, were interesting in one way or another that I felt like people should know about or might want to play still. Um. And to be honest, doing Unknown Pleasures has kind of warped my game taste a bit. And if people ask what kind of games I play, I think, well, pretty much everything. Uh, so I, I'm not really, I mean, I like, a, I play pretty much anything anyway. Um, I'm, I've got quite eclectic tastes, but I'm drawn to kind of strategy games, RPG games, and the occasional big kind of mindless fun shooter to kind of balance out, I guess. Uh, but if I have a favourite kind of game, it's not a genre, it's more like a feeling. It's a game that is ambitious in some way. Even if it's messing it up, I, I, I kind of fall for a game. If it's trying really hard to do something new or weird or just really interesting and maybe doesn't quite do it, and I find that really endearing for some reason. So that's my favourite kind of game, basically. You're like, what are they called in the business world? Interesting failures. Mm, mm. Yes, somebody said that exact phrase last night. I can't remember who, but yeah. Which is quite a harsh way to talk about someone's someone's video game you feel. But you know, it was cool color you used. 
<laughs> we actually, I got into a big chat with Matt Cox last night about this, uh, about what constitutes failure or success in a game. And that got very philosophical as he does. <laughs> and I mean that in a positive, absolutely. It was really interesting. Um, and one of the ways he said that success can be defined is, or not necessarily success, but goodness, is if something succeeds in its aims. And then we got down that rabbit hole of, well, what if it fails in its aims, but it's good in another way? Is it still a success? And yeah, that's a, that's a long, slightly drunk conversation, but that was a really fun one. I can't believe you've been here only, a, like, you've been part of the staff only <laughs> a week, and Matt has already infected you with his disgusting philosophy <laughs> chat. Well, we also last night, because we were at the um, uh, gamesindustry.biz uh party at develop in brighton which is going on currently it's sort of like the the uk version of gdc sort of uh and nate redressed the philosophy balance by then just going like he was like what's morally what's the worst animal (laughs) (laughs) what did he ask matt that or he asked the group that we were standing with i think matt wasn't there at that point and uh, and Nate is like, it's a chimp. It's obviously a chimp. But then one of the people we were talking to was like, well, it's, it's obviously, it's got to be some sort of fish, which obviously incensed Nate. <laughs> God, that's a tough one. I'd uh, still say wasps, just on the grounds that wasps are, are intentionally evil. Not because they sting, because you know, that's their thing, that's fine. Animals sometimes sting or bite, but just because they seem to enjoy it. You know, They just seem to do it for pleasure, as far as I'm concerned. And they don't have the honour to die afterwards like a good <laughs> bee. The samurai of insects. <laughs> <laughs> Not all bees do that, though, I learnt. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Only some of them. Some... Solitary bees don't, because if a solitary bee died when it stung you it would just be just a dead bee like there's no solitary bees don't have a hive so there's no advantage what so it's at some point in their evolution there might have been one that did that but obviously it didn't yeah exactly yeah how do solitary bees reproduce do they just go and find are they like different solitary bees and they just mate and they they partner up and then they go their separate ways and yeah like you know like the majority of animals yeah. like that. <laughs> I think quite a lot of them are parasitic as well. But then <gasps> I think like plant in fruit and such rather than like, lay their eggs in fruit. And yeah, I'm sure we're going to get an entomologist in the comments saying, oh, these ignorant fools. Yeah. Um, anyway, video but, games. <laughs> but, but listen here, uh, speaking of morally repugnant animals, how do you guys feel about horses? Big, mm. big sigh from Sin there. It's a big sigh because Brendan has cleverly moved us around to the, the one of the questions I believe a reader asked us about a potential topic for the podcast. And we were given several options and among them was uh, what is your favourite horse in a video game? And that was my least favourite of the options. <laughs> <laughs> because I am largely indifferent to horses uh, in games and in person. Um, not that I meet very many in person. So, um, I don't have a particularly great answer for this, but uh, do you, I go first, or do you have a really good one that you want to jump in there with, Alice? Well, I, I like horses. I can ride horses in real life as well, because I grew up in a very 
middle class country area. So I did riding lessons until I was about 16, 17, I think. Uh, but yeah, I do like, I like horses and mounts in games. I, you know, I remember, like, everyone was really impressed by the Assassin's Creed horse when in the first one because it had all four legs and a shadow doing what it's supposed to and stuff. <laughs> there was that thing in, in Oblivion, wasn't there, when people are all oh, horses and horseback combat, but you had to get off the horse to do the combat, so it felt a bit like a bit pointless. Yeah. How and do sometimes... you feel about sorry, Brent, how do you feel about horses and games, Brendan? Um, I like horses and games, uh, although I've never been able to look at them correctly or like at the same way since I was riding I think it was the Shadowmere, the horse in Oblivion, or some horse in some game. And my dad walked into the room and he looked at the horse and he, I said, isn't this cool? Like, I'm riding a horse, Dad, because I'm always trying to convince him that video games are worthy. <laughs> and he's always, like, pointing out some flaw. And I'm like, look at this horse. It's amazing. Like, look at, look at its muscles. You know, it's, it's perfectly, it's perfectly, like, done. And he looked at it and just went, that's not moving like a real horse. And I was like, what? It's moving like it's galloping. And he's like, real horses push their heads forward when they stride. And that doesn't. And then he just walked away. <laughs> I was like, picked out a single animation flaw of this horse. And I've been only able to, if a horse doesn't push its head forward when it, when it gallops, then I just, I just can't, I, it just annoys me. <laughs> that's, and it was perfectly fine before. That's amazing. I, your dad sounds Exactly like I imagined your dad would be. <laughs> I did. You've just reminded me. There was a video that did the rounds a few days ago about women. I think in Norway, her whole thing was she loves horses so much she runs around like one, and it's a oh yeah surreal video because she does move like a, as more like a horse than you would believe a human can. <gasps> but it's clearly a, it's really bizarre, and we could possibly link to it if we can find it because it's entertaining and mildly horrifying. I will absolutely link to it because it is wonderful. <laughs> it, so, like, is is Shadowmere like your first and only favorite horse in a game? No, Shadowmere is not my favorite horse. It's a stupid horse. I think if you hit it, it also fights back, and then it never. It's hard to try and make it be friends again, so you have to knock it out, run away, and stuff. Andy, don't hit the um, horses. It's, it's not a dumb thing. But, I know, but you know how it is in those Elder Scrolls games. Yeah. You know, you're trying to you're trying to kill a rat, and then the rat runs in front of your friend, and you hit your friend in the head, and your friend dies, and you're like, "Oh, I've done it again." Does the horse have that thing where a lot of kind of ally NPCs they try to muck in, but they're just like, "No, don't! You're you're too weak for this fight. You're gonna get yourself killed." <laughs> um, but no, uh, I like Argo from um, Shadow of the Colossus, not on PC. Uh, because it's a good horse and it's animated well, important, and um, he's very loyal, and it's just a good horse. Your lovely horse. Yeah. Um, does his head move forward when he strides? <laughs> I think it does, but I'm not sure. I think it's definitely better than your average video game horse. I, I I think a horse would be good if it does that twitch thing. The horses in Red Dead Redemption sometimes are, are they're very they're very good horses, but again, I never felt attached to one. Like they're just mm. 
they're just big cars, big fleshy cars. Yeah, that's the thing. With the, I mean, I've not played a ton of games that are like very horse-centered, but the ones I have have been kind of like that. The horse is like more tools than particularly integrate. I mean, they're just yeah, they're big cars. They're not particularly memorable or uh, exciting. Hey, um, what about go on, Argo? Makes him a good, like a good boy. Uh, Argo, I think it's because it like he's always there. He's basically your set of legs, and it's like an XCOM, you know, where the 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 characters don't really have a character or a personality mm. or anything, but via their usefulness, they you become attached to them. Mm-hmm. So Argo is just always there for you. Just a sturdy, reliable animal comes whenever you shout. You know, you. It's like it's he's he's like your best mate. You know, and he's the only other he's the only other thing in that world apart from these big lumbering monsters that you have to get. That's not so, true. There's a dead girl as well. She's lying on a slab the whole game. Like. <laughs> There's nothing like she doesn't help. She doesn't run into a fight whenever you go dead girl. You know, it's, there's no, there's no character to her at all. It's just, but Argo helps you get across big gaps. He like runs around. You hold your sword up and you're shining, and all his hair flows. He's just a handsome horse. Um, have you have you encountered horses in real life much, Brendan? Uh, I've I've met some, but like I'm not f- I'm not like close friends with any horses. <laughs> Are you not? You don't like you've not been invited to a horse's wedding that kind of thing. You're not on those sort of terms with horses. No, I've 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 met. A good few horses. I've done horse riding once whenever I was very little, but that's it. They are. I read. I can't remember where, but some writer said that horses are sort of like just really big cats, almost in terms of their personality. <laughs> that they're just sort of like oh fine, and that but they're also like quite nervous and will jump at things quite easily. But then also you get really nice ones as well. It's the Horses are good, yeah, they're just like big, slow cats. If I am walking somewhere and there's a horse in a field, and I, uh, I, w- I will see if they will come to the fence, and if they come to the fence, I will pet them, because they're really good for petting. You just kind of, like, tap their neck, and they love it. I'm now picturing a small horse trying to climb up a fence, and I don't think I'll get that image out of my head all day. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Sadly, a classic. Would you rather fight one yeah. horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? That's the new topic. Uh... <laughs> I choose the latter. <laughs> no, I'm going for the big, the big duck. Why? Um, <laughs> I think a hundred would overwhelm you. Yeah, that's true. But they don't have like. I suppose a horse's bite does hurt if there are a hundred of them. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I regret this. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. What are your, what's your favourite 
horse in a game then, Alan? Uh, well, I've got, I've got a favourite horse and then I've got a favourite mount, I guess. Um, and my favourite horse I like because it's, uh, it's bad at being a horse. Because <laughs> uh, there are obviously, like, you know, horses in games are a classic for glitching because they have too many limbs and they, you, like, you can sort of half force them to ride up a hill they shouldn't be able to. Um, uh, I, uh, like, you know, there are a lot of classic, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey has a lot of good mounts. You can get a Pegasus. You can buy a Pegasus or, uh, you can in-game, uh, just with, the, just, like, not for real-world currency, you can get a unicorn that leaves a rainbow sparkly trail behind it when you ride, which is good. Um... <laughs> But I really enjoyed probably my favorite thing about Kingdom Come Deliverance, which I otherwise found to be a very boring game, uh, is the horse in it. Because you're supposed to, you have like a horse who's like your horse, and I think you can buy like better horses. Uh, but you have your horse, and it will you know whistle, and it will turn up kind of thing. But because it Kingdom Come Deliverance is a very Euro jank game, they've sort of made a creepy Watson horse. <laughs> or it was in the original sort of thing so you'd whistle and then because it obviously it was like okay so the game will not spawn the horse where you're looking so because it doesn't want you to see the horse appear from out of nowhere fine so you whistle and then turn around and the horse is just there <laughs> <laughs> this big horsey face like just suddenly there and and I just found it really funny every time. <laughs> it was really good. It's so unnerving. It would make an excellent accomplice for uh, all manner of crimes. So you could just like mm. whistle it into a bank and have a friend whistle it out again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ideal. But it, it reminds that... me of um, uh, CD Projekt released a video that was uh, so the horse. What's his name? The horse in The Witcher Three, Roach. Roach. Yeah. Mm. So Roach did some some good glitching, um, especially if you were standing on like, if you got him to stand somewhere across two levels, so like his back legs were on the floor and his front legs were on a step or something. Uh, he did some magnificent glitches and they released a video, like a joke video that was like, yeah, we motion captured uh, Roach and they had like two people, one of them wearing a horse mask <laughs> Uh, and they were like, yeah, no, we motion captured everything, even the glitches and stuff. It's really good. <laughs> maybe this is, maybe, because in CD Projekt Red, when, or in, in Witcher 3, whenever you whistle for Roach, it, like, Roach kind of gallops out of the, kind of, from nearby, from off screen somewhere, and you see him on your little radar even, like, coming, you know, from somewhere you can't see. But maybe they did that. Maybe Kingdom Come should have done something like that. Wait, well, they sort of did. So, like, he did. Sometimes he would, um, like, if you're in a forest or like a an open field sort of area, he would sort of walk up from somewhere. But I think it was sometimes if there was t too many other things nearby, it it sort of didn't know possibly. I think where to place him next to the other things. So he he would just some sometimes like a liquid fifty percent of the time, I would just turn around and there was just a horse. 
They should have had him like appear from behind a tree, like just out. You can only see the front of him coming out and all like crawling out, climbing out of a coffee cup or just like behind that... some unlikely object. Yeah, that would have been amazing. I would have enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Sin, do you have any horses that you like, I... or are they are they are none of them as good as the woman in real life who runs a bit like a horse? <laughs> I um. Well the, well, the two that came to mind for like my favourite horse in a game, it's not... The problem with it is, the first was uh, the Mountain Blade, and the problem with that is you never have a consistent horse. You have like a, a class of horse that is your ride, which you can swap out to different classes. But every time... Most of the game... Well, a lot of the game is done like on an overworld map, and when stuff happens, you zoom in and the 3D stuff happens, and you're, that's when you spawn in and your little friends spawn in, and your horse spawns in. And you'll get the same class of horse each time, but it won't be the same horse. It'll be visibly different. So you can't really get attached to the one horse. But I do remember very fondly the very first horse I basically stole from somebody. And when I realised you could do that in the middle of a battle, somebody comes riding at you from a horseback, you can knock them off the horse or bung a javelin into their face. And then as the horse is running by, you just grab its reins and ride off on it. Mm. And just that was I was sold on the game from that point. And that horse I'll always remember very well because I, I mean, at the end of the battle I never saw it again, but I remember that one very fondly. And the other one that came to mind was in a game called, not a very particular game, but it was one I played Runner Pleasures called Ostwind, uh, Ari's Arrival, which is based on a film which I've not seen. And the whole game's got a very straight-to-video feel about it. It's that kind of game, and it's like perfectly fine at what it does. But the story of the horse is amazing. Um, it's the classic girl, young girl and horse story where a young girl arrives at a ranch or horse factory or whatever it's called. I don't know, horses. And, <laughs> and uh, there's a horse on the ranch who is, you know, is traumatised by an experience of fire, so it can't ride. It's the prize-winning horse that can't ride in the farm, factory or whatever. It's going to go out of business. And, of course, this young girl, having never only been dimly aware of what a horse even is immediately bonds with the horse and they're like oh you'll save the farm and all the rest of it and I being uh, annoying as far as games are concerned immediately tried to mess with the game and the first time you get an opportunity to ride the horse I leapt on it and tried to flee for the hills and the game actually let me and I eventually after what was supposed to be a short canter around the yard I came back about 33 hours in game to the, to the people who were still waiting for me. And they're like, oh, wasn't that a nice little ride? Oh, yeah. look, you can ride a horse. It's like, well, more than a bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then the plot carried on. And in the very next part of the plot, you actually are supposed to steal the horse and run off into the woods with it, where you <laughs> find this old man who gives you a crossbow and tells you you have to like, overthrow the evil people at the farm. And it was kind of like... Whoa, being, this took a turn. It was... It was it was just fantastic. It was very, very odd. It felt like being radicalised by Mr. Rogers because he was this very kindly old <laughs> character. And what got me as well was this guy was actually from the horse training place and he was like the trainer of the horse. And it's like, why is this down to this like 13-year-old orphan girl who's just blonded onto the farm? Why, why, why are you not saving the farm? This is your job, mate. Don't, <laughs> don't be handing out weapons to kids living in the woods. It's not the, done, it's not the way. And, but it was actually a pretty good horse. It did all the riding and the jumping and that. And... But I, I wasn't very fond of the horse itself. It was an adequate way to get around, and it was did all its jumps and such. But the way it was kind of, it was the story was just fantastic, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that very much. And I can't remember the horse's name. I assume it's Ostwin because that's the name of the game. But yeah. Oh yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, it? yeah. 
I'm going to open the horse question now because Alice, you said that you had a mount. Is it yeah. horse-like enough to qualify? Well, I mean, you, you, it's not. It's not, is it? <laughs> I mean, you sit on it and it and it takes you places. <laughs> is it a motorbike? No. It's uh so in Dragon Age Inquisition you can get loads of like exotic mounts from places from doing like side missions and stuff or from um bits of DLC. So you can get like these weird one of them's called a bog unicorn and it's just like an undead horse that's <gasps> zombie horse that's got a, a sword stuck through its head. Oh what? A bog unicorn Oh my god. With a free sword. Yeah, with a free sword. So the sword through its head is is its uh Horn. Uh, Bog unicorn yeah. is the most perfect pairing of words I've heard in months. It does sound like an, an obscure insult, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, or like the elves send you like a big deer, I think, if I remember rightly. Um, uh, but there is one you can get called, called uh, it's called like the armoured war nug, I think. <laughs> and so... Nugs in Dragon Age are like small. They're probably about the size of a rat, um, and they're little sort of hairless underground, uh, sort of rodent creatures that kind of eat everything. Uh, but you can in Dragon Age Inquisition get a rhino-sized nug, basically, <laughs> that has these big curly horns on its back. So it's like a cross between like a rhino and a hamster, basically. And it's amazing because it it sort of relative to itself moves quite slowly. But because it's so big, it means it moves at the speed of a horse. And also it's much wider than the horses in the game. So when you sit on it, the animation is a bit different and your your character has to sp- spread their legs really wide. <laughs> <laughs> It's just really nice. It's got like a nice, it's got like a nice kind of rhino-y face. You know that there's like a nature documentary. It's one of the planet Earths or something, and it shows like these rhinos all meeting up to hang out um, at a watering hole, and they all sort of snuffle each other's faces and stuff. It makes me think of that. It's this nice big snuffly <laughs> idiot rhino rat thing, <laughs> but that that also has like a ram's horns. <laughs> It's really good. Does it does it know what it's doing? It sounds like a bit of a, a bit of a clueless bystander to the whole situation. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, like no more so than the other mounts, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's good though. It's really. I just like to imagine, like you know, because you talk to loads of like, like side characters and that. I just like to imagine rocking up on this just this big thing. Just go. All right. How's it going? What's up? <laughs> And everyone's just like, do we do we mention the naked mole rat giant thing? Yeah, yeah. 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 Right, so that's right. what about you, Brendan? Do you have any others or are you just Argo? Ride or die I have, Argo? I, ha- I enjoy the horses from a game called Horsemaster, <laughs> which is a very small twine game. But uh it's you basically have to take care of a horse and it's one of those games that's like oh you know you get several days and each day you have to you know feed your horse or you know take care of your horse pet your horse whatever you know like take 
care of it in a particular way each day to try and raise its stats because something is there's going to be a competition at the end of all this see you know compare horses it's like a show horse almost but you um you very quickly realize that this is not a horse in a conventional sense it's not it's some kind of creature <laughs> with musculature and exposed tendons and ah! it's like it's a it's an odd kind of horse and i think it like produces a, like a residue or something it the, the, the it's described but never depicted because this is all in text so i don't have a very clear image of what this creature is i just know that it is very large larger than a horse ought to be but it lives in your apartment <laughs> and you take care of it because this show at the end of all this is going to be this ritualistic thing about which you don't know anything at the start of the game you don't know what's going to happen so you're raising this this thing and you're also doing like day-to-day stuff like I think you have to do day-to-day stuff to keep yourself alive and things like that and it's just it's just, it's a really unsettling game it really quickly becomes this horror game <sighs> um and uh it's it's very good it's very good and I think anyone with an interest in horse rearing should play it what does horse master <laughs> what what does it eat what, do you feed it, or is it like just kind of sinisterly um, sustaining itself somehow, perhaps through I can't remember, draining your energy? I can't remember exactly how it eats, but I think you do have to inject it with stuff over and over again. <laughs> ah, I'm doing and a face. The, 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 the stuff that you choose to kind of pump it with is different. can be different each day to try and raise its stats in different ways. So I, I can't... Re- it, I can't remember too clearly, like exactly the, the, the things because the way it describes it, it's hard even to imagine what it is you're doing most of the time. I, it's it's a very good, a very good little game. I've admittedly never reared a horse myself, but I I have suspicions that this game would not be a a how to on that front. No. No, but those horses are good. That sounds um, sounds like a good horse. They sound distinctly <laughs> evil, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> uh, you come no, you come to like the the horse. I remember the horse not being harmful itself, mm-hmm. but the whole the whole scenario I find myself in while playing felt harmful or bad <laughs> if that makes any sense i think so almost a kind of frankenstein thing where the monster isn't evil itself but the situation is a bit messed up kind of it's very messed yeah. up i mean if if you had a regular horse just in your house that would be quite discomforting i imagine the neighbor, yes <laughs> yeah that would annoy most neighbors i feel <laughs> oh do we have any other mounts any other horsey type no, things? I am dismounted. Hold on. 
<laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um no, nothing particularly. This is the thing. I don't think there have been any like amazing horse implementations <laughs> in a game. I think that yeah, nothing really comes to mind for it anyway. Well, there are more horses in video games than you might think. Would you like to play a game? Ooh. A game? Yeah, okay, go. Let's do it. This is a game that I am very simply calling Race Horse or Game Horse. Oh! I'm going to read out some names of horses, and I want you to to tell me whether you think it is a, a, a horse from a video game or a real race horse. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Okay. This sounds good. Hudson Horstachio. Race horse. Mm, yeah, that's got a, a tracky kind of feel to it. That is a video game horse oh, yeah. from... V. It's the horse from Viva Piñata. The pinata horse. Oh, oh okay. Alright. What about This is gonna be difficult. <laughs> I don't know anything about either of these. <laughs> what about President Sweet? I think Racehorse. Yeah, that's a racehorse. I think I sort of vaguely remember that name, I think. That is a video game horse oh, from oh. the video game. <laughs> from the video game Champion Jockey, a twenty eleven game which is a compilation of two Japanese horse racing horse racing sims. Freddy, I just want to go on the record. I hate you right now. <laughs> okay, let's Unless go Unless he again. says, like, Pshurgar, I'm screwed. Yeah, <laughs> what about Bubbly Dusk? Ooh. See, I feel like we're in that situation where, well, that sounds racehorsey, but... I'm going to stick. I'm sticking with racehorse. Um, Bubbly Dusk. Mm, I'm going to say game, but I don't know which game. Send you're right, it is a game. Yes. It's from Melbourne Cup Challenge, a 2006 horse racing sim, <laughs> which also features horse names like Carroty Clash and Star Stench. <laughs> Carroty Clash is brilliant. What about what about Sea Biscuit? Oh, that sounds familiar. Sea Biscuit. That's a horse, isn't it? Sea Biscuit is a horse, but yeah. now I'm sort of like maybe there's. A- Sea biscuits in a game, and I he's tricking us. I think it was referenced in Bojack Horseman, maybe. As in, it was a horse. I don't, oh, I, yeah, I'm going with horse. As I'm, I'm, saying, horse. I'm sticking with racehorse. I'm just going to yeah. say racehorse the whole way through. Sea biscuit is a real horse, a racehorse from the 1930s, as featured in the Tobey Maguire film of the same name, nominated for seven Academy Awards. And that was, I'm sure, that was referenced in Bojack Horseman, which is yeah, yeah. What about? Blaze. Just Blaze. Just Blaze. <laughs> Race horse. <laughs> That's uh, a 13 year old's first horse. That's <laughs> um, I think game. It is a game. It's from Barbie Riding Club, uh, nice. which also features the names Sassy, Muffin, Peaches, and Coco, among many others. What about Mordred? That's got to be a game. Racehorse. I'm, I'm, I'm saying racehorse. <laughs> it is a real racehorse. It is running oh. today. It's running today at Newmarket, according to SportingLife.com. It took him five attempts to get off the mark as a juvenile Chester, and it's hard to know what to make of his efforts this year. He's trying. He's trying. What are his odds? 
Um, I don't remember. I didn't write that down. I'm sorry. Uh, we should put some money on. <laughs> some money on Mordred. God, yeah. Whoever owns Mordred is a nerd, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like... What about take it to the max? That's 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 a racehorse. Racehorse. Sure. <laughs> I hope oh, that's a racehorse. It's both. He is oh. both a real racehorse who ran in 2009 to 2014 and appears in the racing sim Starters Order 6. That would... I'm trying to imagine it in a game set. Like, to be honest, in a game or in real life, shouting that name out when you're trying to get the horse's attention. I, just, I couldn't ever take myself seriously after that. Oh my god. Was... Mate. <laughs> I suppose you could just call it Max, for sure. But... Oh, those are thoroughbred animals have, like, proper names and then like names you actually call it the stage names like our dogs were all um kennel club certified dogs for a while and so like we had like one of our dogs his his name on paper was like nan nan caro rocket or something <laughs> but but we just called him finn so. <laughs> you and my sister's <laughs> Not Rocky or like Nan or anything like related to his name, Finn. Yeah, well, because that's a stupid name, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my sister had a similar thing with her cat. Um, the cat was called Floozy for reasons that are quite funny, but I won't get into. Um, but when we had like when they were kids asking her name, or you know, it was like semi polite company. It was like, oh, it's Lucy, not Floozy. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, last horse. Um, it is Shergar. Oh, come Race on. Race horse! <laughs> Give us some credit. <laughs> um, the reason I put Shergar last is because I, I would like... Because you found well, him. I, I think one of you should explain what Sh- who Shergar is to any listeners who may not be aware of Shergar. I don't know really anything about Shergar except he's a he's an Irish racehorse. Was Shergar the one who was rumored to be taken by the IRA? Because I know there were a couple of horses, but I often get them mixed up. It's yeah, Shergar was the racehorse of the nineteen eighties who was stolen by a three armed man in mask, who uh, they demanded two million pounds to bring him back, but um, the committee in charge of the horse didn't consider the ransomers very serious. Was because, this the sorry? Yeah, they said like they said they've made uh, loads of impossible demands that we can't actually do, like paying the money in a certain place. the The ransomers demanded that they pay the two million pounds in one hundred pound notes, which did not exist at the time. <laughs> so I still don't. They don't. I don't know if they exist now, but they, they didn't exist, so they couldn't actually do that. But anyway, Shergar was never found, and uh, is just assumed dead now. They think was... that it was Sorry. machine gun to death. Oh. Ah! Yeah. That's a bit... Then again, I don't know. How else are you going to kill a, a horse that's probably quite pissed off with you? That's, that's very bold behaviour. <laughs> I am... Um, was this the one? There was the invest... I don't know. I remember very vaguely. I think I watched a documentary about the investigation into Sugar's disappearance was headed by a detective who was, like, so hilariously incompetent that it was... It was it it got it was horrifying and it went past horrifying into just sheer surreal comedy like, like comical Ali kind of bonkers press releases and stuff like that. Or am I, I thinking someone else? I don't know. I I don't know about the person who ran the investigation, but it was a complete farce of a thing yeah, that yeah, happened in the nineteen eighties. Like the the 
the police of Ireland basically started like a nationwide search for this horse, covering loads of countryside. And um, they f- they didn't they never find the horse, but they did find loads of weapons caches from the IRA. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was like, well, we got some things out of this. That must have been a fun morning at the office as well. I've seen a horse. Think, oh, yeah, you probably have seen a horse. <laughs> can you can you dust for hoof prints? Is that something? <laughs> anyway, that was um, real horse or game, race horse or game horse. Yeah. Thank you for playing. Good work, everyone involved. Uh, and that's it for the horses for the time being. Um, we'll return to it when we asked we asked our readers, so we'll come back to it later. Good. But let's talk a bit about what we've been playing. That's... Please leave that in. Yeah. <laughs> that should be the new theme, I think. Uh, I have been playing nothing so over to you <laughs> uh brendy would you like to deal with that one i'm being a coward and going last as usual um i well i wasn't expecting this oh i, I can go if you like yeah you go you go okay uh mostly uh i've been playing chinese parents the review for which went up a few like about an hour or so ago and that is a I don't like using the phrase, but it's what you call a casual game. It's like a very simple, straightforward game to actually play. It's got a lot of moving parts, but playing it is really simple. You can pick it up in five minutes. It's a child-raising sim uh, where you are the child. Uh, it was recently translated to English, and yeah, the idea is you raise your child, or you, you raise yourself as a child, to the age of 18 by doing like mini games that would improve your various stats and choosing a schedule of study and play activities that will balance your what you want to do in terms of your stats and uh, your studies at school and your stress levels and your satisfaction of your parents with your performance and the key idea of it is at the end of the 18 years you study with uh, the national chinese examination which i'm going to call the gao cow because i'm not sure how to pronounce it but it's essentially the this is the exam that decides your fate in life and there's enormous social pressure in it to the point where you know there, there are criticisms of the whole system that it puts far too much strain on students it's reductive it's it, yeah there are a lot of problems with it um but in the game it's it addresses that in a quite playful way and it's not it's very light-hearted and it does sort of it's got a good sense of humor it's very light and just silly enough and I ended play ended up playing it far more than I really should have because I just wanted to see what I could do and because I was naming my um, children after RPS staffers yeah. and I did try to ruin Nate and I tried to ruin Dave but um, it was difficult they were irrepressible Nate in particular uh, I wanted to turn against his family in that <laughs> A big part of the game is you inherit bonuses from your parents. So when you finished uh, childhood, the child you just raised becomes the parent for the next one. And let's say you had re- that child had really high constitution and IQ. The kid will inherit a per turn increase in their stats in constitution and IQ. And that stacks up over generations. So Nate is, from birth, getting bonuses to his uh, imagination and his EQ, emotional intelligence. 
from his artsy dad, uh, Brendy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sin was keeping us all updated and Brendan essentially became Dan Brown. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I liked it because you put... You, you, well, Brent, you, the character Brendy became a writer, but then it said that all his associates don't consider anything he writes to have any literary merit. <laughs> it's really... It was really... A weird mixed bag because oh wow he made it he's like top 10 best-selling author in china which is pretty big market and then the next page of text is like yeah everyone thinks i'm a hack but who cares <laughs> basically just write airport trash yeah exactly that's the impression but um yeah and i tried to kind of make nate his your son <laughs> like the opposite i wanted to make him like slightly insensitive unimaginative muscular guy <laughs> but your your genes were just so great brindy you know it can't be helped he ended up becoming an artist is it like is it essentially impossible to go against your genes almost because i suppose if it keeps stacking like you're like this is the thing that's what i the impression i got and it's i don't think i put in the review i think i had a lot of criticisms of it but um that's it's still really, really fun. Like the criticism of it almost don't matter because it's just like it's not doing a thing that it could be doing, but it's like, but it also doesn't need to be doing that. Like it doesn't have the dark side that say Princess Maker Two does. You know, I tried to actively ruin a child, and the worst thing that happened was he got zero on his Galgal, like nothing at all, and he was enrolled in the school of neat, <laughs> which was a bit surreal. But he ended up unemployed. <laughs> but because the game needs him to be successful and have a kid, he became the dad of the next generation anyway, and he was fine. Um, so there's a limit to how, yeah, you, you kind of end up stacking up these bonuses. And I ended up with Nate, who I wanted to focus on his constitution, his strength and that, and be a sporty guy. But the bonuses from two or three generations of artsy parents just completely overpowered that. So you do get into a place where it's like, you kind of have to game it and min-max it a little bit if you want to get like the best endings. Um, but it's, yeah, I think Liam, it, it's still a load of fun. Like it, the, if you play it as I want to become the I want this, I want to produce a writer in three or four generations' time. I want to be the president or something like that. It's geared towards that rather than just like how can you mess this child up or what can you do today kind of thing. But it's, yeah, good laugh. Do recommend it. And I, w I will put a, a link to your review as well. Okay. So people can check that. Uh, Alice, you said you've been playing nothing. Yeah. So I was. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. Um, I. Uh, I've only been playing on the PlayStation these days, so I'm not sure I'm allowed. I was playing Detroit Become Human because it was Ooh. free on PlayStation Plus um, this month. And that's coming out, I think, in August sometime for PC. So maybe Ooh. I can talk a bit how not great it is. It, so I was at the Develop Star Awards last night, and Detroit won a couple of awards, uh, and it one of the first awards was Best Narrative, and Detroit no. won that. And from that point on, I was just like, well, these awards are a meaningless sham. Hi, does it... Hi. It's just... It's so... It's so silly. It's just 
like you would not the stuff that's in Detroit Beyond Human you would not really tolerate of a of a TV show, you know. Mm. Like there's all the characters are just kind of these archetypes that you don't that are just written so that the player has to do something. Like there's an abusive dad and you're given no real like insight into you know what his reasoning or what his life is it's just he's uh, he's abusive bad dad so you know save his his vulnerable daughter from abusive bad dad and it's like there's just loads of characters like that they're just oh it's really frustrating i'd probably play a game called abusive bad dad though because it's wearing its heart on its sleeve you know true yeah i just it's so hackneyed and so like obviously the what if robots became so advanced they you know became autonomous people are they autonomous people that kind of thing like that's obviously been done so many times over the past like 60 years like uh and also so hackneyed in its its race metaphors and then claims that it doesn't have any Oh my god, the robots literally stand at the in the back of the bus. There's a compartment for androids that they have to get in, and it's in the back of the bus, and they stand at the back of the bus where nobody else is allowed to, to like, and they're not allowed to go in the front part. It's, oh! In, in one of the <laughs> endings, the humans, uh, the humans corner the robot resistance, and they're gonna, like, you know, shoot them all or whatever, and there are a few ways you can sort of stop them from shooting you. One of them is, like, if you kiss your robot girlfriend. And one of them is if you all start singing a slave song. Oh, is it a legitimate slave? A real slave yeah. song? From the, oh, my. Okay. They should break out into, like, an electronica thing. So, anyway, that I, I text Graham saying Detroit won best narrative, and he texts back, I think slightly drunk at this point in the evening, saying David Cage is a... Uh, is a so David Cage is an artist. He understands the feelings of robots and women. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, like there are a lot of times when I'm playing it and I'm just just balking at my TV screen being like, oh, this is so dumb. This is so dumb. Hmm. I do. Having said that, I think that the actors put in some very good performances. <laughs> Yeah, I do also like playing. There, there's um, the Connor, who's the android, uh, who's kind. Of, he's kind of doing an investigation into androids that are going off and being hu- and feeling human feelings and rebelling against their masters. And I quite like playing as him because I see him as a horrible quizzling robot, <laughs> and I feel like I, I like at least that you know there's something funny about basically playing this horrible like Tom, fascistic tool <laughs> like he's just he's like I don't feel like he's a nice guy I feel like they're probably going to turn him into this oh he's going to have a breakthrough moment and get woke but you know it's just I did like his his double act with his human cop counterpart which again it's obviously it's it's not the most original kind of uh uh dynamic but i yep. did enjoy his although there was so like his grizzled old human detective partner is is sort of 
uh, played like a uh, grizzled old baby boomer type. Uh, when those people point out like this is set in the future, so he would be like an old millennial. <laughs> yeah. So he should be entirely different. Like <laughs> he's basically like a kind of Jeff Lebowski character who's been made to become a policeman. Uh, but yeah, it's. <laughs> It's, it's it's a dumb game. It's a stupid game. It has a bad story. Why did it win a prize? I would say, I I know it is fashionable to to bash on a uh, Quantic Dream, but also Detroit <laughs> is not a very good game. Uh, uh, but it is if it's on sale. I did laugh a lot <laughs> at Detroit. Yeah, so still, I'm I'm still playing it through. So I mean, there is something to it. So it's, it's you can still kind of recommend it as long as you as long as you know going in that this is no hmm. this is not pushing the medium into new places. You know, this is putting the medium squarely in a big tank. And saying that's where you're staying forever, medium. But that <laughs> in, the ba- I, in the bad tank. I think the reason I bash on Quantic, because I, I like older, like I liked um, uh, Nomad Soul a lot. But I, the reason I bash on like Detroit a lot is because people think it, it this is pushing the medium forward. It won awards just last night at an industry award show, voted for by developers and stuff. So, no. <laughs> no to that. Oh, guys. Read a book. <laughs> anyway, should we see what the listeners have been saying? About horses. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be more constructive than what we're doing now. <laughs> Okay, cool. Every week we ask our readers about the topic and see what you say, or our listeners. And this week we asked, who is your favourite horse in games? And we also point out that we might accept other minds if they're horse-like. Sean Cheever says that uh, they like the wild heart in Dragon Age Inquisition. You didn't tell us you could ride a a heart. I said a big deer. Oh. That's what it is. It's H A R T. So it's a classic elfy move, isn't it? It's, oh, we'll give you a horse, but we'll give you like a, a slightly off horse. You know, we'll give you one that thinks a little bit. It looks down in you. A little <laughs> yeah, bit. we'll yeah. give you a horse. It's actually a deer. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> uh, Matthew Castle, Vidbad Matthew Castle says D horse in uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, the only game where horse <laughs> has a tactical application. <laughs> Apologise for swearing, Brandy, but I was quoting, so it's not my fault. I do like the the way you could hide on the horse in MGS Five by just like hanging off the side. That was a, that was quite fun. Oh, that was so stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the few times where I actually really loved MGS for just going full into the stupid. Well, so like they'd be like, "Oh, what's that?" and then you'd be hanging off the side of the horse, and they'd be like, "Oh, just a horse <laughs> out for a walk, I guess." Yeah, it's fully loaded up for war. Yeah, like it's a war horse. It's it's got 
belts with ammo on it and all this stuff and armor around its face. Yeah, and there's uh, like, two boots hanging off the bottom on the other side, but we'll ignore that. That's fine. Well, that's a pretty one. Satori from Breath of the Wild says... It's Nintendo. We can't mention that. Oh. Oh. I mean, we did mention Argo from Shadow of the Colossus, so... Yeah, yeah fine, yeah. Stefan Cooper says Satori from Breath of the Wild. It looks like a big owl, owl deer thing. Pexalondon yeah. says, you can't go wrong with the mountain climbing horses in Skyrim. They pretty much climb a vertical wall. And they've included a gif of, yeah, a horse climbing a mountain mm-hmm. with absolutely no trouble. That's impressive. It's like those goats, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Geek and Beric says, Roach from The Witcher 3. The parkouring horse, and has included a picture of Roach on the roof of a building. Amy G says Invincible from World of Warcraft, I think this horse is. It's the big winged, scary goth horse with a skull on its bodice. Oh, this is cool. Carsten Coplin on uh, Facebook said there was a neat game prototype from one of Double Fine's Amnesia Fortnites called Steed where you played the horse instead of the rider in a fantasy adventure game. Uh, too bad nothing ever came from it, and the project has, uh, lead left Double Fine, so I doubt anything will happen with that. Anyway, the horse was called Bell, if I remember correctly. That's amazing. That sounds fun. That could be quite fun, actually. Like, yeah, trying to mess with your rider, if it doesn't treat you right, and grazing. and I, I know so little about horses. I don't know what they do. <laughs> <laughs> Chess Charles says, the ruddy, gr- the ruddy bloody great geezer of the night. Lots of people saying Roach. Mm-hmm. Oh, Roger, PJ, Kadir, Marcus, a lot of love for Roach. But uh, David agrees with you, uh, says Argo. Argo's a good boy. Dave Simmons says, Glitterhoof from Crusader Kings 2, obviously. Is that the one you can marry? Is it the one you can marry? Or it's, you might be able to appoint it to a council position or something like that. There is there is also a thing in Crusader Kings 2 where you can make like a whole video a whole game of animals. I'm not sure if it's a mod. That yeah, but... that that sounds familiar actually. Yeah. Like you can have like the Empire of Ferrets and stuff or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think Roach is probably in the lead if we're going by numbers. Yoshi, someone says Arthur Monkoff. Yes, says Yoshi. <laughs> yeah, good one. Yoshi's probably the most successful horse. Yeah, he's broken out a bit compared to. Uh, Galwar also just puts a picture of a chocobo. I'm trying to think of any villainous horses that you have to fight, but they're not very. In and of themselves, they're not much of a challenge to fight, are they, in a game? <laughs> trying to think of a Dark Souls horse that you have to fight, but mm-hmm. can't think of one. There's a nice horse in um, Sekiro who he it's the horse that a big, horrible je- general man who who mm-hmm. um, pokes at you and charges you down with it. He's a boss. Um, but when you beat him, you kind of kill him and you tear him off the horse. And the horse kind of circles back and comes back to him as you're kind of giving him the last killing blow on the ground, and the horse looks really sad, and is just like nudging this guy's arm, trying to see if he's alive and stuff, and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, horse, I killed your I killed your friend. Oh, that's a nice touch. That's really good. That's a rare showing of personality from a horse as well in a game. 
anyway, let's let's wrap this up. Thank you for all of your suggestions and all of your roaches. We like it when you tell us things. Please email podcast at rockpapershotgun.com if you have your own themes or suggestions that you or your own suggestions that you want us to talk about. Let's do some recommendation-y things, because that's what we do at the end of the podcast. We each give a recommendation that is not a, a video game. Could be anything else. Uh, uh, so let's do it, Alice. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm leaping in there. I'm gonna recommend a documentary on Netflix called The Miami Showband Massacre, um, which is about. So there was a a big thing in Ireland, which I don't think was a thing here, or at least wasn't. Uh, enough of a thing that it's so culturally ingrained that I know about it whereas like Irish people my age that I know do know about show bands as a thing uh but they were sort of like cover bands who would cover the popular hits of the day and also do their own tracks sometimes as well um and they're called show bands and they were sort of like six piece all lads all wearing matching suits and that and uh they would during the troubles uh they were popular on both sides of the border, so they'd cross the border quite a lot. And the probably the most popular show band was called the Miami, and uh, they played a gig in uh, Northern Ireland, and then on the way home got stopped at a fake uh, army checkpoint, and uh, uh, were then killed. Basically, three of them were killed. They were attacked. I think the whoever the fake lads were were trying to plant a bomb in their car. Uh, but they did it wrongly and it exploded immediately. So killed two of the uh, terrorists and uh, then three members of the the band were shot. And it was a massive, massive deal at the time in Ireland. And this documentary is about that and about like what happened and who may have been responsible and the impact it had on sort of you know the the show band scene and also. Were the U- the United Kingdom's government involved? Probably, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's really, really fascinating, really fascinating stuff, and it's not massively long either. So check it out it's on on your Netflix now. Sweet, I will link to this too. Sin, do you have anything you want to recommend? Yes, uh, a while back now, so I forgot some of the details. But probably the best book that comes to mind is a book called "Who Fears Death" by Nnedi Okorafor. Uh, it's essentially what she would call African futurism. It's a kind of sci-fi fantasy thing set in an indeterminate amount of time in the far future in uh, a region of Africa I'm not going to name because it is not made explicit until towards the end of the book. And part of the point of the book is it's based on events in that region uh, and it's a kind of examination of that. Basic idea, and as content notice here, it's there's a lot of... It's one of the core themes is sexual abuse, so it's quite heavy going. Uh, and the main character is a woman called Onya Sonwu, who is basically she's born after her everyone in her mother's village is massacred and uh, they're raped by an invading army. Uh, of they're not explicitly called it, but it's clear that like the big villains are basically white, and most of the people who live in the main character's village are black. The main character herself is mixed race, and in that world, it's they're considered, you know, untrustworthy, suspicious, and they're they're born of violence. They must become violent, and it's about her growing up uh, and sort of dealing with that. And 
there's a lot of uh, magic in there as well. Like you might, but basically, like uh, she, her her dad is like a well, the guy who raped her mother was a sorcerer, and she inherited some of his powers. And she may have inherited stuff from her mother as well. And there's a lot of magical stuff. Uh, there's a lot of Jujuism in there. And it's she's kind of it's not entirely prophecy. It's not about prophecy per se. But there's a lot of stuff about or the, there is a prophecy that someone will rise up and kill this sorcerer general guy. And obviously it's going to be on your Sonwu. And her patch is it's about her trying to come to terms with the powers and control them and actually live in a world where she's an outcast wherever she goes like even her closest friends are pretty horrible to her because they're basically racist because pretty much everyone is in that world and it's pretty dark and it's got some flaws and but it's it's just it's unlike it's probably unlike anything else you've ever read in terms of fantasy or sci-fi and it was just really interesting journey and the way it ended really grabbed me and yeah really highly recommend what is it called who fierce death who fears death that's the translation of the main character's name so like from birth she's like her mother is like i'll call you who fears death as an act of defiance and yeah very interesting stuff i'll recommend a book called the mastermind which is by a journalist called evan ratliff and it's about it's a non-fiction book about a criminal man a crime man who uh, starts a kind of drug and arms empire from the, the the angle is from his bedroom he's like a programmer basically and he is this walter white character almost who just one day decides to become a drug kingpin and manages it um and uh it's really interesting there's a podcast about it somewhere out there i'm sure if you just google um his name is Paul LaRue, R-O-U-X, and uh, he's like the Zimbabwean drug kingpin, and he's he's horrible. He's a horrible man. Um, and the book is full of all, it it's like goes really into the nitty gritty of how he managed this by basically connecting, by basically hiring a bunch of people in Israel to, to, to be a call center to sell to upsell pharmaceutical drugs that are non-controlled to Americans in their homes and then he would get doctors to sign off on it in the United States as well so that the prescriptions were like you know on the face of it pure legal and totally fine but they weren't <laughs> the doctors weren't knowing what they were signing for most of the times and it's just it's, it starts from there and then it, it gets into guns and gold and diamonds and property and all this stuff and it just goes it just goes places it's really wild i haven't finished the book yet but it's very interesting that's it the end the, the end there are some serious things to think about now after all the video games i tell you what any one of those things we recommend is probably better than detroit, detroit beyond yeah. human <laughs> I feel like I've ruined your day by disclosing that info to you, Ready? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That's it. Um, you've been listening to the Rock Paper Shotgun Electronic Wireless Show. The only podcast you need, in Alice's opinion. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.
Ba-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-do-da-